It's the internet, you're busy, so let's do this. Welcome to the Games Week Decides podcast. Uh, Mike can hear the music this time, so I'm pretty excited because he's I'm dancing like, as well. really into it. It's a, it's Instead a good of just song. me. Is yeah, I know, it's a good Racer? song, right? Yeah, Ridge Racer, yeah. Ridge Racer, uh, to me, I never played a lot of it. I mostly think of uh, that Sony E3 conference. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I hear Ridge that, Racer. That's the best thing that ever came out of Ridge Racer, by far, was Ridge Racer. Is that the best uh, thing to come out of E3? Man. I mean, it's that's a tough one. We could do that. That's what. Um, <laughs> God, so I think that now, was such a good conference. I think the way we're doing it, so we're gonna do a couple of the E3 conferences this episode. I think that last one before E3, we'll, we'll be able to play around, and maybe we should do yeah, the, be the best things to ever come out of E3. And that I could did, be yeah. games, but it's probably gonna be that. Or that talk- crap. oh my god, I was going through some of my old stuff yesterday, and I found like some of the stuff I got from my first E3, and I went to like that weird Konami press conference that year. Mm-hmm. That like bizarre one where they had the high school musical people there, <laughs> and, like that guy talking about his game. Like I found like my press badge for it. Oh god, good time. Well, Mike, we haven't even introduced ourselves yet. I'm no, Jeff Grubb. I'm the host. With me is Mike Minotti. Don't apologize to me. Just do better. And now he's literally drinking as I'm okay. inter- like okay, asking him Dad. to introduce himself. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just disappointed. I'm not <laughs> mad. Um, in today's episode, we're going to talk about the week's news, as well as Ubisoft, Activision, and Bethesda at E3. Why, why are you looking at me like that? I, I was just Ubisoft. playing with my eyebrow because I, I thought I could look like The Rock. I'm sorry. I'm, you have to ignore you, things I do sometimes. No, I'm a child. Don't, don't, no, you don't look like The Rock. Um, first, I, first, I want to thank everyone for joining us. I want to thank our sponsor this week, Intel. We can release this show for free uh, because we could charge otherwise. My, uh, we're, we're, we could release this show for free. <laughs> Uh, thanks to Intel's support. Um, you can also get more from me and Mike at gamesbeat.com. If you have something to share with us, email the podcast at gamesplusspodcastadventurebeat.com. That's the plus sign. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, you can subscribe to the audio version of the podcast on iTunes Music, at Apple Podcasts. Is that right? Google Play, Stitcher, uh, wherever you find your podcast, you're going to find us there. Finally, if you like the show, rate us on iTunes. Um, Mike, so Yo. what have you been up to? What have you been playing? I see, uh, I see here on our list, uh, that you have Heroes of the Storm. Have you been playing in in the effort to get the D.Va skin or have oh, you actually yeah. been playing? Okay. That was probably, so you're not just, more... you're not playing it because you like Heroes of the Storm. I mean, I, well, I know you like it, but. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm probably having more fun with it this time. I, I think it helps honestly just that there is, there's like, are more people who want to play it now. It not that wild how it seems like this game is the most popular it's ever been? And I think it actually has less to do with the fact that it gave out 20 free heroes to everybody yeah. and just more to do with, like, this really big Overwatch cross-campaign thing. I mean, it's so big. Skins. They know how big it is, though, because anytime I'm anywhere on the internet ever, the one ad I see and that I notice is D.Va in that stupid cop uniform. And I'm like, man, hey, I want to play no, Heroes of the Storm. Uniform. No, I know. I want it so bad. I'm like, that <laughs> is so a dope good. skin. I want it. But it's everywhere and it's haunting me because I've never – I've like loaded up Heroes of the Storm once. And like the idea of like having to wrangle people together to play. And I know you guys were playing. I, yeah, I'm like, okay, I need to just get home and jump in. Well, but the I'm, nice thing <laughs> is you can just play against bots for a while. Like you could play with yeah. friends against bots. I mean, have you ever really done much with MOBAs? I don't. Not right? too much. I, if yeah. I was going to, Heroes of the Storm was going to be the one. And yeah, I, I definitely be. considered it. I definitely considered so it. Uh, yeah. And, I'm and like, I don't mean that. It was con- that- like a, a lot of people say that in a condescending way. It's simpler and just no. a... I can actually play it way at this point. Like it's such an and investment like, to get into Dota two or even Law, which and Law is easier than Dota two. But man, and just like after getting into Overwatch and seeing Blizzard's um, 
onboarding in action, the way that they very are very welcoming with their games. I'm like, I bet if there's a MOBA out there I could play, it's going to be Heroes of the Storm because it's going to have all the, the same sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, know, and like knowing people feel that way about World of Warcraft as well, where they're like, yeah, I, I really can get into this just way more than any other MMO because it had better onboarding. So I'm like, yeah, this is probably the one, but I still haven't. And I don't know. At this point, it feels like I'll just play more player unknowns battlegrounds because yeah fair enough. that is the thing right with these kind of games like you can only maybe have one or two in your rotation at right a time. exactly it seems like and overwatch has kind of been permanently in one of those slots for me for mm-hmm. a while and like that's my question that i'm asking myself is am i going to still be playing heroes of the storm after this promotion's done like the only mm-hmm. reason i might is because my brother aj seems to really like it even more than i do and if he like really wanted to play it with him I, you know i'd be fine with it and again it's fun i have fun playing it i just ultimately like overwatch more and it's literally just you know like an inch away on the screen on the blizzard app right. where like i click yeah. overwatch our heroes so but like, i mean it's, um, it's, it almost it's, comes it's muscle fun. memory you like you get you get done with your day and your mouse yeah. just it's either loading up a porn site or loading up Overwatch, yeah, exactly. one or the other, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll tell you one game that I actually didn't even have it on my list here that I've played a few matches of now: uh, Paladins on Xbox One. Um, I never tried it on PC, although I think I installed it. Um, been meaning to try it, and it's it is very much Overwatch. Turns out it's, that game's just Overwatch. It's very similar. There are heroes of similar abilities, and I find it. What I find fascinating is it is a lot like Overwatch, but People don't seem to care, right? Like it's still the no. success, and I think it's because it's just it's the free to play Overwatch. Yeah, and right? it's deservedly so. And I, it's a, and I think it's well fine done. that that exists. Yeah, you know, people are going to want that option, and people are going to prefer that option. Uh, at the end of the day, I'll just play Overwatch, and it has some things. I know it has like a skill card system, so you can kind of customize your heroes in ways that you can't yeah, Overwatch. That... I don't know. If that's something I that doesn't sound like something I'd like, honestly. Yeah, I think. It, I mean, I think it, it, in, in the end, it's a detriment to that game because uh, it makes it more complicated. It makes it so you are, like, for example, I'm playing the Pharah character. Basically, it's a, a flying lizard, a lizard with a jetpack, and he has a he has rocket a rocket launcher. launcher. Imagine that. Yeah. Um, and I'm playing this him, and one of the first things I did is I, I must have got a bunch of free currency or something, and I spend it on his card that makes him 65 percent faster when he's flying. Uh, and can you imagine if Pharaoh was suddenly 65% faster while flying around, <laughs> like how, how unbalanced that would yeah. be and how much harder it would be to hit her. And it, like, you're not going to know if that's the skill she's going to have attached when she comes at you. Um, and like, it, it could be that, or it could be, you know, one of her other things where she does more damage, she gets a direct hit. Um, so it, it, it makes it the balance, the fighting game element of Overwatch, where it's like you understand each character, what they can do, right. and you've got it all in your head. It's already complicated enough. You don't need to mix it up with all the skills. Yeah, I, not, I, that, not that Paladins isn't fun. See, I, I don't, like, I don't like those kind of things in general. And it's one of the reasons, kind of going back to Heroes, where I don't, I like it more than League of Legends and Dota, too, because you have things like that already, where there are like these back-end things you can do to your heroes. Like When you level them up, you unlock like slots, you can put gems in them, and it increases this stat by 2%. Right. And it's like, oh, which stats to increase? And then you know when you're playing the game, you have to go to the item store. Which items are you going to get? And I, I don't like it, because it so often just boils down to like the accepted build, right? And maybe there's mm-hmm. some room for improvisation, but not much. So it just becomes this weird memorization thing you have to do. Again, so yeah, like these things are more fun to me when the interesting stuff about it comes from like you know, just like things and stuff. Like oh, I know like I can't fight this roadhog right now because his 
uh, hook is probably ready and stuff, you know, right. hero compositions. Not like, I don't know if this Roadhawk has the plus 15% movement speed yeah, perk. Yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah. and, and I, I get why they, a free-to-play game needs that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. You need that complexity to give people a reason to want to spend money so they can customize their character and have all this different stuff. And uh, the characters are locked, so you aren't necessarily going to be learning a lot of the characters by playing them because you have to spend a lot of money to get all the characters. Um, so I, I could see why they do that. Um, but for me, I, that's one of the reasons to stick with Overwatch. You know, I already own it, so it's not like I'm deciding to go spend money on it. Yeah, I do wonder uh, if... Like, I, I can understand why a lot of people would play this instead of Overwatch to start, just, you know, for whatever reason, money or what have you. I can't right. imagine why people would, like, go from Overwatch to Paladins, right? Right. I, I mean... But I must be. I'm sure people are, for whatever reason. I, I could see, like, it getting your getting its hooks into you and being like, oh, this is, like, a whole new thing to learn, and it's fun, and the people aren't as good as they are in Overwatch yet. Like, I was... Mopping, mopping up with uh, with this character because I understood how to play it because I'm like I play a lot of Overwatch and now I'm playing on consoles and uh, people haven't had Paladins on consoles before so it was I don't know it felt like I had a distinct advantage and I was enjoying that so I could see that being a thing that attracts people but beyond that you're right I I don't see going from Overwatch to this um, but I, I have been playing more Zelda and I'm not going to talk too much about that but I am getting close to 120 um, shrines and I'm feeling pretty uh, good my, about that. Yeah, my younger brother did that. I I I kind of beat it and stopped. I might go back when the first DLC thing hits. Maybe uh try out that that trial thing and maybe hard mode. Hard mode sounds pretty good. Yeah, we're we're going to talk about the. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess we could talk about it right now. I mean, the, the Nintendo announced the first de- the details of the first DLC pack. Um, it's going to be that that hard mode, which is. Uh, basically, enemies are going to be harder in general. Uh, there's going to be another level of enemies above silver, I guess. So that probably means we're going to get gold enemies, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, there, uh, One of the things I also found pretty cool was like the the sword challenge, where it's like a 45-room dungeon where you have to fight enemy after enemy, and you start off with nothing. Like you're completely naked, like down to your underwear, and you have no weapons uh, except for the master sword. Um, and as you defeat enemies, you can equip the stuff they drop, um, but you know, you're also, ha- you have to survive throughout that whole thing as well. So it's, it seems like a cool thing. And then once you beat it, you get, uh, you unlock the master swords, uh, basically there's a two versions of the master sword when it's its normal state. And then when you're around certain enemies, it doubles its power and it does like 60 damage instead of 30. You, and do, you do this do the range quest. Attack thing, yeah. yeah. The range attack thing. Yeah. Um, and if you, uh, do this quest and you beat it, it will be at level 60, all the time. And I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. I would like that. Because uh, it does bother me that it's, like, so weak a lot of the time. Um, yeah, it's yeah. fine. But I also kind of get it. Where, like, because, like, so much of the fun of that game, I think, is, like, the kind of switching between weapons. And if the Master Sword was just that good, why would you use Yeah, it? no, true. Which, by the well, way, I, I still see, I feel like every day I still see somebody on Twitter take, have, like, their hot take about, actually, the weapon system and Breath of the Wild is garbage. I'm like, how are so many people just so wrong about something? Yeah, yeah it's, How do you um, not get it? <laughs> yeah, I, I was a uh, pretty. I saw someone say that uh, the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild is exactly the kind of game that Roger Ebert was thinking about when he said games can't be art. I'm like, that might be a good point, but that just makes Roger Ebert all the more wrong for saying that in the first place. Right? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Whatever. Uh, yeah. I, the only the only, only other thing in the uh, DLC expansion is going to be the um, that map thing where you could see where you walked. I I I'm at a point where if I start to hit a wall. And I can't find like the last ten shrines. I might just put it down until that comes out because that seems like a really uh, organic way of 
getting all 120 shrines without me having to go look up stuff online. I kind yeah, I I kind of assume that at some point you might just have to like when you're down to two shrines and you don't know where they are. That's going to be kind of rough, right? Okay, um, I I've also been playing Prey, which is one of the reasons I think I might have to put down Zelda. Prey is very good. So I'm far. excited to try it. I've played maybe two hours. Um, I tell you, I'm. I don't know why all my sci-fi games have to be, be horror games as well. Like why they have to have jump scares in them. Like I guess Mass Effect is the it's, exception, it's, but not. It's always worked real well. As I just just like having like a little bit of that, even like Half Life One, the right? Tension. And yeah. you don't think of like Half Life One as like a horror game, but I don't know. Like, they have the, the, bi- the jump scares. Shock. Yeah, just like like a little bit of because. It gets you kind of invested in it. Even like Metroid Prime has like a little bit of that, like that eerie. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, yeah. it's just it's just like somehow it just makes that formula work so much better if it's just if there's something unsettling about it. Yeah, I I always want to be like the explorer and just the the science officer and that kind of stuff. But I think you might be right in that this genre works better because it does have that tension. Uh it has worked so far in Prey. Um you know, they set up a nice mystery at the beginning. Uh, you, you want to find out what's going on. Um, all the while, there are these creatures, these mimics that are hiding as um, objects in plain sight. And you start questioning everything around you. You like uh, you start with a wrench. And uh, like one of the first things they do is turn into a coffee mug. And you see that. So when, whenever you see a coffee mug in the world, you're like hitting them like before they do anything else. So Is that funny? That's like another trope of almost all those games is that you start off with some kind of like like yes. melee weapon that's just like whatever. The crowbar, mm-hmm. the wrench. It oh, yeah. Like and this game is definitely trying to be an homage, especially at the beginning, to the, the Half-Lifes and, and the Bioshocks or but the like, System Shocks. I I want that. We It seems like that like if they aren't making Half-Life games, they aren't right. making Bioshock games anymore. Like, somebody kind of needs to come in and fill that niche a little bit, right? Isn't, but, like, isn't it so weird that, like, they, like, Bethesda's taking the Prey license, the Prey franchise, and that's what they're going to do that, like, with, with this. They're like, this is going to be our spiritual yeah. successor to the, the Shock series. Yeah, I don't understand why they had why they took this game, which had nothing to do with prey. It's like, oh, we're gonna attach the prey name to it, which was not that big a deal of a name. There was yeah, one game in it, and like another one they canceled. They can't. They canceled the sequel like five years ago. Yeah. Like you could have just the made this a thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, a new franchise. Um, uh, yeah, like Prey One was like that weird early Xbox Three Sixty like shooter that took too long to make and was like. Already kind of dated, but we all liked it just because there wasn't much to yeah. play in the 360, and it was fine. Yeah, exactly. It was one of the games that everyone jumped to, uh, and but I just don't. You never heard people talk about it that fondly years no. later to the point where it needed to be rebooted. Uh, it's a very confusing dis- decision to me, and it's all the more confusing because the game is very good. Uh, it could have stood on its own with its own franchise, started something new. Um, I, mean, I think it, it basically kind of has. Yeah, like it, it has. Is. Yeah, which is, yeah. It's just I, like, I'll never really I don't understand know. it. They're like, we have this name. We like, why not use it? I'm like, well, there's good reasons to not use yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, people. I feel like I have uh, a couple of might, reasons. People might not like Prey One and might not right. look at this. Now. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, yeah. So I see you're also been playing uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris. Yeah, which is a, I love. A very Puyo. good game. Oh man. I, here, Here's my hot take, which I'm learning from the internet. It's just unpopular opinions, right? Yeah. So, uh, my, yeah. My hot take is I think I like uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris more than Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Hmm. And I That's a tough one, but I'm I think... Just, maybe because I'm just playing it a lot. I'm sorry. No, no. I mean, so you, you played a lot of Mario Kart 8 on Wii U, right? Yeah, maybe that's why. 
so it's not hmm. quite as fresh to me. I mean, it's super fun. I like it. Um, and I like Mario Kart, obviously. I, I think it's because yeah, I have played a lot of Mario Kart in my life. And, you know, I've always played Tetris. And I've played some of the Puyo Puyo games. But something about this, like, this is the time, like, I'm kind of getting into it. And I'm learning more about, like, how you're, like, you know, a good Tetris player and a good Puyo Puyo player. And these kind of bows where it mixes it up. So, like, two times now, I've I've either had people over to play Mario Kart on the Switch, or I go over to, like, someone's house and say, oh, we're going to play Mario Kart. And then, like, kind of, like, after, like, a couple hours, I'm like, hey, let's try Puyo Puyo Tetris, and they're always hesitant. And then when, like, I get them going, we end, we end up playing that for, like, another two hours or so. Mm-hmm. Like, people, like, they, it's fun. They get into it. What, what's the big mode you guys are that you guys are sticking with the most? Um... I think I think swap is my favorite, and that's the one where yeah. it's just like every thirty seconds, it switches. Like you have a Puyo Puyo Tetris board and a Puyo Puyo board and a Tetris board. I mean, and it kind of just switches every thirty seconds. So it's like you might be about to lose in Puyo Puyo, but maybe you're doing okay in Tetris. So you just kind of have to like hope maybe that someone else loses before your Puyo Puyo board is done. And then it's cool because you can also just do the mode where you play either Puyo Puyo or Tetris. Like, mm-hmm. And you're playing against everybody, so, you know, just whatever one you feel more like. I mean, honestly, a lot of times people still just want to play Tetris. And yeah. that's what's cool. It's like, you can. Like, okay, we're all four just going to play Tetris, then that's fine. There's, like, the fusion mode, too, which is, like, a little bit more complicated, but it's interesting where you're kind of playing both at the same time. Yeah, yeah. That, that's intense. Uh, it's intense. It's not, like, the most... It's, it's interesting to split things up a little bit. It's kind of like how, like, if you're playing Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, right, you're not going to play the, the one where you're going to I'll try to get that shine, but every right. once in a while you'll, you'll go to that one. Cause why not? Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm kind of, I'm split on that. I, I see what you're saying. Um, I think if you have people coming over, uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris is different. It's very, it's a game that we haven't had a lot of, uh, maybe especially we haven't had a lot of in a long time and it's never quite looked this crisp and beautiful with a great mm-hmm. presentation, um, where it's presented as a party game, that you can play locally and have a really good time with that. If you're doing that regularly, I could see how that would be right. something that people are really getting into. And and unlike with Mario Kart, you know, when you do four <laughs> people playing play play Tetris, it, you know, there's no performance dip, right? And I you know, obviously That's I true. know why because you know, yeah, no, yeah, it's play it's Puyo Puyo and Tetris. And you know, it's not a fault of Mario Kart I, I that it you know it goes down to 30 frames per second in split screen mode. But you know, it's now like, which game are you guys taking to the basketball court? And playing on the park benches side. <laughs> I'll tell you, well, I mean, so I, uh, we had our Games Beat Summit last week, and I flew down there, and that's the game I was playing on the plane, and at bed, and I was playing Play Play Tetris, working through that campaign mode, which is kind of just like an excuse to learn more about the games. It, you know, that's another nice thing about that kind of game, is that an AI computer opponent works very well in it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that campaign easy. is pretty interesting. I like it. Yeah, it's it's like wacky. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Right. It knows it's kind of dumb, but also mm-hmm. still presented well. Like it has good voice acting and stuff. Yeah. So, the the yeah. one thing that they were very adamant about in the embargo was like no streaming or videos of the campaign. I'm like okay, all right, taking it seriously. Whoa. All right, all right. <laughs> that's yeah, <laughs> spoilers and stuff. Yeah, um, I think uh, the only other thing I've been playing is Expeditions Vikings, which is a tactics game on the PC. Where you are, you start you start out as a Viking kid who has to take over the village from his father. Um, yeah, and it it plays very much like a tactics tactics a tactics game, like a Fire Emblem. Uh, but you also make a lot of choices in between the matches um, based on 
and, and, and where you interact with the characters and to, your your choices will uh, determine like who joins your clan, things like that. Um, it's not exactly like Fire Emblem's like social mechanics. It's it's more like maybe uh, a mild Mass Effect sort of thing where. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you're choosing dialogue options and things like that, and I, I'm enjoying it. It's a very good, very good game. Um, I want to get into it a little bit more and see if the tactics part holds up because so far I've really enjoyed the the other elements, and I haven't gotten too deep into the the actual competitive part of it where I'm playing against these uh, challenging computer opponents. And I want to see if that you know does hold up. So we'll see. I'll probably talk about that more in the coming weeks. Yeah, sounds about right. Yep. Okay, uh, Mike. Uh, any other games from you? Now nah, let's move on. Okay, so let's get into the news. We've already talked about the Legend of Zelda uh, the DLC packs. So we'll just jump right into Darksiders 3 reveal the leak uh, reveal leaked for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Um, this is something that I think Dean even got pre like told about by, yeah. Like, from, yeah from THQ Nordic. Uh, so like it's definitely happening. Um, we, we know it's coming. The as soon as it got leaked by Amazon.com. Um, IGM posted their big thing about it because they were apparently planning a big reveal. So, Whoops. what do you think about Darksiders Three existing coming around to this THQ Nordic? Apparently, from the team that that worked on the a lot of the people that worked on the first two games, um, and um, you know, now they're making this third one. I don't know. I, so, Darksiders that was always those are always games that I had always meant to get to. Yeah, just never did right. Like do you, they always seem does this to... announcement make you like really want to go back and play them? I'm, no, it actually I'm makes me that feel. Itch. It actually makes me feel more hopeless than ever. <laughs> okay. It makes me feel like, yeah. oh, God, the third one's coming out, and I haven't played the other ones. I don't know if I can ever get into this. Because I don't know why. Like, sometimes there's games like, yeah, I could jump into the third one, but I just get the impression that for this, I don't, like, I would want to play the other ones in a weird yeah. way. But I don't I don't know why I think that. I don't they, think there's any real... Well, they definitely have the reason. lore where you're playing as the different, yeah. you know, minions of the apocalypse and things like that. Uh, you played as... War in the first one and death in the second one. I know that because the first one had like the the war box was their definitive edition, and then the mm-hmm. definitive edition for the second game was death infinitive. I can't even say it. Oh, it was like clever. death instead of death. Yeah, it was really and really good stuff. Is, aren't, you're you're playing as Fury this time, right? So they're not they're not doing the literal four horsemen of the apocalypse. No, I think they they have their own take. Which on I it. get it. I some people, I see some right. people like Chris as like uh like some I saw some people like they, they do their research like yeah man <laughs> yeah. they just no, guess they forgot <laughs> like oh like, they today like oh shit it's pestilence not Fury what do we do yeah oh no like We're you're so gonna play to us. Like you're gonna Do we have Control F? Replace all? Control oh no! <laughs> oh god, yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm excited. I'm glad they're still making them. People I seem guess. to like them. Aren't these games always kind of like not really big hits? I don't know. I I, I feel like they were I, to me. It always felt like the first Dark Siders was a bigger hit than it had any right to be, and then the second Dark Siders didn't hit in the way it was supposed to. That's how it kind of seemed like it went to me. Sure. I mean, it's hard to tell because THQ is having its own drama happening basically throughout the entire series run. Right. And it was, uh, I think Darksiders 2 hit right at that time where THQ was about to close. So we never really fully understood whether or not it hit the way it was really supposed to. But sure. um, yeah, uh, people people seem to really like them. I guess there's Zelda clones. Uh, second one was a little bit more open world, but I don't know. I, I really want to go back and play it. I started it and never actually yeah. ended up because there aren't really a whole lot of Zelda clones. You think of that, so exactly, and that's one of the things that I think really made it stick out is that it was it was a Zelda clone in a world that where no one else was trying that. Um, yeah. 
Okay, let's uh, let's move on. Oh, I'm gonna try something. Okay, oh, it's gonna be a, when we end our segments now. Well, oh, I'm gonna see if it's, it's gonna work. I think Isn't it's that just work. literally what one up yours did in like 2007? That guy had that keychain with the coins on. Was that was that one up yours? I don't remember that. Oh, it was one up yours. I think maybe oh. it was one of the other EGM podcasts actually, or one up podcasts. There's a bunch. Well, here, let's see. What else do I have? I have um, I have Mario sleeping. You heard this one. Night. I like it. Night. I, I, here, like here. I said, actual actual recorded dialogue of just me sleeping. All right, here you asked for it, Mike. Here's what we're gonna do every time we're between segments. So. Open salami. Open <laughs> salami. So there we go. Which I don't even know what game that's from. I think uh, Super Mario Sunshine. Open salami. I don't man, I played Sunshine. I do not remember that. I, but, I don't right, remember that either. But I found it, it on on the internet. Okay, um, Nintendo PlayStation prototype finally working. Hey. So um, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. That Ben Heck, that guy that. Always makes those portable versions of modern consoles. He he worked with the guy that found this in his dad's attic. They have spent like the last year basically uh, tinkering with it, trying to get it working, and now it's up and fully functioning. And it just needs software now. So it's like he's he actually put out a call saying, "Hey, development community, people that make weird games, if you want to make something for the for the Super Nintendo's like PlayStation CD add-on." You can. Uh, we have it now. Here's how it works. Go ahead and do it, and we'll try to get it playing on this thing. Weird. So, yeah, um, I, I think those kinds of things are always uh, more interesting in the idea. Of like, okay, now we know exactly what it can do. I would like to see like what the emulator emulators are like, and uh, maybe try it out for myself uh, from the comfort of my own home without having to actually have ten thousand dollars right. to buy one. Yeah, sure. I mean, same. You know, no one ever actually made software for it, so. Right. Yeah. The rabbit hole only goes so deep, but it's sure right. it, it's one of those things where it's like I don't understand very much about like hardware and whatnot, but just watching that guy like talk through and fix this thing was just very entertaining. Yeah, it was and fascinating. This is cool. oh. Yeah, it's this cool little piece of game history. This little weird <laughs> oddity. Yep. Um let's see, the next uh next story, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds hits two million copies sold. I uh, I'm still re- I'm really enjoying this game. Have you had any itch to come back to it? Now we did a stream where um, we all played together. Eh, not 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 really. I, I liked it, but I still feel like in a year even or something when this game's like polished a lot more, I will like it a lot, and then I can maybe devote some actual time to it. And it, it's the same thing we we're talking about before, right? Like I play Overwatch. Oh yeah, yeah. And like, yeah I, 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 I think I'm, it's super cool when I get it. But yeah, I think before you were like weren't you weren't sure you would get it. But now you do, and at, at the same time, you're still kind of coming away from it. Like, it's still not quite your thing. Yeah, not exactly. Like, I still would ultimately rather play, like, a team-based shooter kind of a right. thing than a, than a, what do they call these, a battle battle royales. Yeah, battle royale likes mm-hmm. is what I've been kind of calling them in news stories. Um, but, yeah, I, I get it, too. I get why it's so popular and why people are buying it. It's, it's a very watchable game. It's a game where, uh, even when I'm not playing it, I, I wouldn't mind putting on a, a Twitch stream and watching someone else play it because it's so easy to understand. Um, so much more easier to understand than like any eSport even. Uh, you put it up on the screen. You know what the person's trying to do and you know how they're going to try to do it. They have the guns. They've got to just survive. Um, this would be like a cool eSporty kind of thing. Yeah, and they did that charity event uh, last Thursday and apparently it was a lot of people streamed it. It was very popular. They raised $200,000 or some shit like that in like one afternoon. One afternoon. Uh, yeah, I, I hope it takes off in that direction a little bit. Um, even if it's not like they, even if people don't take it super seriously, I would just like to see it kind yeah, of have a, a somewhat fun. dedicated community so I could watch it all the time. Cause it's, it's entertaining. 
like like I've, I've told this to Jason, every every match I've never won still, but every match I feel pretty good because I always come away with a weird story about what happened. Sure. So. All right, uh, a team was forced to change the title of their game because of Bethesda and Zinimax. Um, it had Prey in the t- in the name. I can't remember what the actual game was called. It, well, yeah, Prey for the Gods. Um, and people were kind of jumping on Bethesda and Zinimax for doing this because it's just a small little game. Uh, it shouldn't have been even been on their radar, but their lawyers found it, kind of took it out real quick, and said, "Hey, you, you got to change your name." Uh, and the developer did because they don't, you know, they're not going to have the legal fees to fight it. Uh, at the same time, this is kind of one of those things where uh, Bethesda and ZeniMax don't really have a choice. They have to sort to sort of fight these battles and force little companies like this to change their name. Because if they don't defend it, then they'll end up in court in a situation, and someone will say, "Hey, in previous previous examples, here's a game that existed, and you knew about it, and you didn't try to do anything about it. So why are you uh, you know singling us out? Like that's kind of anti-competitive. Mm-hmm. So uh, so it's one of those situations where there there's no good solution." And it kind of sucks that it's always the little guy that has to end up changing it, but that's just the way it works. Here's, eh, you know what? Pray for the gods. Not a great name, anyways. That's true. You know, you know, what? get creative now. now you have a second chance. <laughs> well, now, now they're, people just, heard now they're just spelling pray funny. They're spelling pray, P R A E Y. Yeah, so, and I don't know. That's really helping. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, they should have done like one of those uh, weird like A E combo things. Um, I think that's what right. they're doing, actually. I think it is it okay? Looks I'm, like I'm that looking more. at like I'm a text looking version. at the URL. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at the URL. Um, all right. Finally, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is no ordinary hit. It is a, a bigger success than sales indicate. And I think this is just uh, the fact that when you look at the numbers, I, the, the game did super well. It's outselling uh, most other games. It, it's in its second week in the UK, for example. And Prey came out, and it outsold Prey. Uh, Mario Kart did in its second week. Uh, it seems like it is kind of doing better than I think uh, you, like people's wildest uh, expectations. It so it's kind of you know the story with, with Zelda where the attach rate is just ridiculously high, and I feel like that's right. kind of happening here again. Almost kind of like what we were talking about back in those Xbox 360 days, where it seemed like everybody was like going from like one game to the same game. It was always the same games. It seems like almost everybody who has mm-hmm. a Switch is gonna get Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And then it's also yep. probably helping to sell a couple of systems too. Well, I mean, yeah, I think I mean this, you know, this, if you can find one, right? And, and I, I think um, if for some reason you weren't into Zelda, uh, this is the a, a game that a, a lot of people always are into. Uh, Mario Kart's are almost always the best seller on any Nintendo system. Uh, they're just big party hits. People like to play them. People feel like they can play them better than they can, you know, play some other like third person action game. Um, so, so yeah. And the fact that it's catching on, I think is a, a better indicator than Zelda was that the switch has big hit potential. I hope um, so. Yeah. I, I think we like when the, when the switch came out and Nintendo said, Hey, this is our fastest selling system in the U S ever, uh, faster than the Wii, uh, Zelda is our fastest selling launch game faster than any other Zelda, Mario, whatever. Uh, people were like, okay, let's tamper our expectations. Um, because this is probably not going to be a Wii-like success. And I don't necessarily think that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is an indicative of that level of success, uh, but it's it, it's definitely closer to that, the fact that we're getting two of these bigger hits in a row, you know, basically two months apart. Not even. like They, they came out like one month apart. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think uh, the Switch probably is on a, a trajectory where it could be 
uh, one of Nintendo's best-selling systems ever, uh, as long as it keeps up this sort of momentum. And I'm, you know, I think it's a good sign. Yeah, hopefully, it's got to keep this software coming. And you know, we got what's what's it's what's the very next thing? Uh, is it? It's arms. Uh, huh? Yeah, it's or arms, but not really. I would say that Minecraft on the uh, Switch could be a really big deal because it's the first uh, version of Minecraft to have local multiplayer split screen. Mm. Um, that's something that, <coughs> excuse me, that's something that other Minecraft games haven't had yet. And I think that it's the switch is at the right audience. Uh, it, it could really appeal to kids in a big way. Um, and right after Mario Kart, which is a, a family game, I think Minecraft could be the next game where people see that and they see it has that feature and it could really take off. So, but yeah, then arms after that. And, yeah, we'll see about that game, but I, I've I have some higher hopes than I did before. Yeah, right. Me too. For some reason, yeah. I don't know why. It's like the first time they showed it, I just I think it's because they showed it like right after one two switch, and they were going a little too hard on that like motion control angle for it at first. And I was like, well, eh, this is what is this? Right. But now I'm like kind of thinking, like, oh no, this could maybe be like the next Splatoon, where it's like this weird kind of thing that's just really super fun. Okay, Mike, I think that's going to do it for the news. Uh, next up, we're going to do a little ad break. We're going to come back. We're going to get into our E3 topics uh, where we, we're going to talk about Bethesda, Ubisoft, and Activision. And for anyone listening, make sure you stick around to the end. At the very end, I have an interview with Playful's Paul Bettner. Uh, I'm going to attach that to the end. We talk about their the new game, Creativeverse, which is a Minecraft clone, but we talk about why, why even calling that isn't necessarily a bad thing, uh, especially these days. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to go to the ad real quick, and we'll be right back. All right, Mike. Now, I know you write about games. I know that's your job. But haven't you ever imagined yourself making games? No, I'm too stupid to do that. Well, you know what? You know who could help you with that? God... Uh, close. <laughs> we're, we're really selling out now. <laughs> okay, a little bit lower than that. Let's aim a little bit lower. Um, Intel, our sponsor this week, they have the Intel Game Dev Program. This is a program that aims to help uh, developers figure out ways to do the most with the resources they have. And Intel can also come in and help out with those resources. Um, now, even someone as stupid as you, Mike, can probably yeah, figure it out with Intel. Stupid. Yeah, and that's that's really that's on a whole other level. Um, by visiting software.intel.com slash game dev. Uh, just check that out and you will be making games in no time. Sounds good. For <laughs> dummies like me, or even dummies like me apparently. Yeah, especially dummies especially like Especially for dummies. Um, and we of course we want to thank Intel for sponsoring us this week. Uh, again, that URL is software.intel.com slash game dev. Uh, they have things that, like, like I said, it's going to help you with resources. They're going to help you with uh, tools, help you to figure out how to make games easy and as simply as possible. All right, Mike. Yep. I think we're going to get right back into it. Uh, we're going to try to knock out these last three topics, yeah. which is back into E3, coming up very soon now. Um, so we missed last week because of Games Beat Summit. Uh, you were busy. I was busy covering it uh, remotely. Mm-hmm. So we're going to catch up a little bit. We're going to bunch these three companies together. And I, I think even even after doing EA separately, it does maybe make sense to kind of bundle these other companies. Uh, Bethesda, Ubisoft, and Activision. And maybe let's start with Bethesda. Uh, they're going to be out there, I believe, on Saturday night. Um, 
and they're going to have they're 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 going to come on stage just like they have for the last couple of years. And what are you expecting from them? Well, can I say what I'm not expecting first? And like that would be Elder Scrolls Six, which I think is what a lot yeah. of people want to see, and I don't think it's happening yet. I think I agree with you. I I, I feel like last year. So last year they came out with the with the Elder Scrolls Skyrim like remaster, mm-hmm. and that was their filler game. Um, but I still, for some reason, it still feels too soon. Although it's been a, a few years now since Fallout Four. Um, it has been, but kind of the other the, the other question is how long has it been since? Oh yeah, you said Fallout Four. I thought you were about to say <laughs> it's been a while since Skyrim. That's it has it's been, been a while since Skyrim. Yeah, since right. Skyrim, yeah, uh, it's, it's weird how long it's been since Skyrim. Actually, it's hard mm-hmm. to believe that was like six years ago. But, you know, you, you just feel like, well, because it's, again, it's like with Skyrim, right, where they're going to have to make a lot of new tech for that, whereas the Fallout games are always kind of the, whatever, the last Elder Scrolls game one, and they're making the right. tech for it. And they, they've also indicated that they, like, don't want to just have those people only ever switch between those two properties, and maybe they might do something new. So, who knows there. But, like, yeah, as for, like, the next proper Elder Scrolls six you know, taking place in elsewhere or whatever you know one of those other continents there uh i don't think that's happening yet and yeah, i hope I, probably because again when they it's not gonna it's going to be like how they do these things where they announce these games like you know within a year of them coming out so if that's a 2018 game right then i don't expect to see it at this e3 yeah i agree with you um now if they do come out with it, I think it'll be a really big deal. Uh, it might be one of the bigger things. On oh, the show. it'll be a huge just, deal, right? It it just doesn't feel reasonable at this point. So, what are the things on stage that they will have to justify their E three presence? I think one of the things that that feels pretty certain to me is a machine zone development machine zones uh, next Wolfenstein game um, or something in that vein. Yeah, no, that seems uh, reasonably <coughs> uh, expected, right? And I mean, yeah. well, there aren't. Uh, is Wolfenstein the last thing those guys did? The Old Blood? I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they you think it'll just I mean, be Wolfenstein again. I, is that exciting I so. enough I mean, anymore? I mean, I feel like I mean, people people really like those Wolfenstein games. Well, mm-hmm. that Wolfenstein and the DLC. Although the DLC, I think, turns some people off. But a lot of people talk very highly of that Wolfenstein game. So I, I would expect them to want to capitalize on that. Or maybe they're doing Prey Two. Who knows? <laughs> pray to but yeah but what else are they going to talk yeah like looking at this like what else are we expecting do do we get a doom 2 already or is that too soon god i don't know I, you could probably get a um they probably like will have a title like doom 2 and they'll because remember last year when they when they had the quake champions reveal mm-hmm. and it was like ms dos and people typed in you know they had like the ms dos stuff and it's like oh uh, quake.exe and enter and blah blah blah. They'll probably do something like that for Doom 2 and like have a very similar logo logo for uh, the old Doom 2 and then it might peel away to have a more modern vi- like vision, but that's all we'll get. We won't get like gameplay or anything. Um I think I, that that seems reasonable because I don't know. That game was a huge success. That game was uh, a huge success and I feel like you can kind of you, you could you could get away with a uh more of the same sequel with that one, right? <laughs> right. I think I mean, people yeah, would kind of be okay good, with so. it. Yeah, but and then what know. else? I mean, yeah, if, if Rage like... Two. <laughs> yeah, are there no any way, no. any more old id software franchises we can resurrect? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we got, we got um, Quake, you got Doom, you got Wolfenstein, right? I mean, 
they're gonna have wet a rogue warrior. I think. Oh, Commander Keen's coming back. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It feels I, I but this is the one that always feels weird to I mean, they're gonna dedicate a long time to the Elder Scrolls online. Uh, yeah, like they did last year. In fact, just like no. almost looking at like the sparsity of it, almost makes maybe Elder Scrolls Six slightly more of a possibility. Yeah, but then Elder Scrolls Online makes it less po- like possible because isn't that like where they want most of those fans to go these days? It's like I mean, I, yeah, I, to me, right? I, to me, you and me know there's not not a lot of like la- like crossover there. The uh, the people that are going to play the Elder Scrolls Online are going to play the Elder Scrolls Online, and they'll also play a new Elder Scrolls like proper. Uh, but I think but, like Bethesda might be thinking, hey, let's just keep focusing on this game that is still making money. It's right, especially because okay. you have the Morrowind expansion coming. I think there actually will be a lot of talk on that Morrowind expansion, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think um, they're go- they're going to they're going to rebrand that as almost a relaunch of the game. And I think you know it could even work. Honestly, I think a lot yeah. of people, myself included, are going to come back to it to check that out. Yeah, I mean Morrowind's got a lot of cachet with that fan base, so they're going to capitalize on that. And I think that's what this E3 will be, which is to me makes. Uh, you know, the next Elder Scrolls like real game seem that much more off in the distance. Um, but yeah, then we come back to that the issue. Like, I mean, is there like what well, is there? Is there on, any chance of stage? a? Is there any chance of like another Obsidian Fallout game? Kind of like how New Vegas came out not too long. So now after that would Fallout be a 4. really it'd be a really good idea. It would, um, people love New Vegas. People still talk about that. Yes, Especially I know, yeah, they, yeah. they talk about it specifically as an example of things that. Uh, they don't Fallout like Four did comparatively wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but Obsidian Entertainment seems like they're kind of been busy with their own things more so these days, right? Yeah, like too busy, and like they wouldn't want to work with Bethesda because uh, like they're making their stores to Russian already too. Like I don't know if they yeah. have time to make uh, Fallout. Yeah, I mean, now that doesn't mean there couldn't be maybe a splinter group within Bethesda, or they have another developer do a similar thing. Maybe that maybe they could do that. Um, that could work. I, I I think maybe we could see something like that. And uh, I think a lot of people would be excited by something if they were like Fallout Four, uh, you know, New Vegas like. I wonder if we'll um, see some other weird extensions of the Elder Scrolls franchise, like we saw with Legends, the card game. Like, there's going to be right. like an Elder Scrolls Legend MOBA, <laughs> or, uh, some sort of weird Elder like Scrolls a, thingy, a, a Diablo kind of game, or or, like or an Elder Scrolls take of, of like a portable game, like kind of like how they had Fallout Shelter. Here's the Elder mm-hmm. Scrolls portable game where you watch meters fill up and build a town <laughs> or something. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh I think you I think that's another good guess. Um but as for big games, like do you think they go back to working with uh like Evil Within 2, something like yeah, that? Yeah, I was looking at that and like Evil Within seemed like it was a big enough hit to get a sequel. I, I don't know if that's something that really excites a lot of people, yeah, but I think it's something me. that you can look at and say, "Yes, the sequel will make money." And here it comes, you know. I just want Brink 2, man. Just give me more Brink. Brink. <laughs> no one wants Brink 2. Man, they have Call of Duty controls in this game, man. You can have Call of uh, Duty or Halo controls. All what you want, man. You're just, you're just a liar. <sighs> okay. Um. Yeah, I think that's going to have to do it for Bethesda. That's that. Uh, that's the company. And uh, you know what? We did say this when we talked about EA last week. For a lot of these companies, a lot of these prediction episodes, we're going to be saying, what the, what the hell are they going to possibly have on that stage? Um. To the point where... It, it always makes me wonder, like, does E3 make sense for a lot of these companies? But, you know, Bethesda and EA, all these companies, they have their own presentations. They keep spending the money on this stuff. So clearly well, they think they have some reason to do this. Well, Ubisoft's interesting because I think there's maybe a clearer idea of what we are expecting from them. Yes, that's true. That's that. Uh, this is one of the, yeah. the, more, the bigger softballs here. Because um, 
I mean, <coughs> the, the big thing here is that Assassin's Creed is probably coming back, right? We're probably mm-hmm. going to see, and we're already hearing some rumors about what the next Assassin's Creed is going to be. Uh, after it's big break. Isn't it funny how one year is like this big break for this franchise? Yeah. <laughs> and even I mean, there in that one year, we had the movie, so it kind of like we still heard about it all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the biggest breaks the series. I mean, it is the biggest <laughs> yeah. break the series has had since like the first, between, yeah, between the first the and the first second ones. game, almost a decade ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe that was a decade ago. So, yeah. I mean, people are going to be excited for As- Assassin's Creed again, especially if uh, they make you know, some big jumps. I think especially if they go back to anything to do with sailing, if they bring back Black Flag's yeah, gameplay. I'd be down for that. Yeah, me too. Um, Black Flag's one I really enjoyed. I didn't Yeah, I think it, a I lot of people... Really I think for for a lot of people, Black Flag was like the last time that they were excited about the series. Like, you could say, like, the last, you know, the, the you know, people. some people... I know you liked Unity. I know some people liked the... Bro- like not Unity, Brother. Yeah. What was the England one called? See, I can't even remember their names anymore. Syndicate. 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 What's yeah. that called? Syn- okay, yeah, that one was yeah. Syndicate. Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Right. Yeah. I know that a lot of people liked it, actually, but it's just, you know, there mm-hmm. wasn't excitement about it. Whereas Black Flag, yeah, people I- were like, hey, this is surprisingly great. Because Black Flag, people uh, were ready to be tired of Assassin's Creed when Black Flag was coming out. And people like, didn't oh, really like 3 very much. But then they, <laughs> like, begrudgingly all liked it. And then it was the exact opposite with Syndicate, where, like, people were like, no, we're, it's already behind us. I'm ready to put this series to bed. And then a good game comes out, and... Yeah, the people ignored it anyhow. So, it, like, that's when the series was at its lowest, for sure, uh, after Unity, which, again, I liked a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So, okay, there's going to be another Far, Far Cry game as well. Um, yeah, we're hearing about that. Man, that's good. That's – I feel like that's going to be a hard sell because I feel like Far Cry is wearing itself so out a little thin. It, it, the, the big had, issue, had a, I think, is that you had Horizon basically just be a much better Far Cry game recently. Yeah. I mean, have you heard the rumors, the latest rumors about what this Far this Far Cry game is? Uh, I, I saw they were flying around. Can you maybe summarize them for me? Um, basically, it's going to be a Western. That's smart, I guess. Uh, it definitely sets it apart from like what you were saying there, like uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and from Far Cry Primal, which is a, apparently a game that sold very well. Uh, um, you're so, gonna. Yeah, I, it could work. That makes sense, but man, that doesn't sound like great timing with uh, Red Dead Redemption Two coming out. No, you're. I mean, you're definitely right about that. But I mean, that doesn't. I don't think that necessarily means that. Doesn't necessarily mean that the game won't work. Uh, I think there's going to be people that recognize that Far Cry name and want to try it, and they, if they're yeah. going to see that the, the Western but, setting but is very different thing, than what right? they've seen before. I was really excited about Far Cry Primal because I thought that setting sounded super interesting and fresh. The whole caveman thing. And then it, it yeah. just ended up feeling exactly like Far Cry 4. Even like even well, without guns and stuff. It was like, the is, same map and everything. It's like yeah. the same. Even even without that. Even without like that really obvious thing. Just, it's just like, ah, oh, God, this formula is just really kind of getting a little old, you know, old and repetitive. And there's got to be something there. You, I mean, you have clearly to, there was because we've seen couple a couple games come out, do a lot of that stuff way better. Zelda and Horizon just at the top of the list there. Right, but there have been other examples, and just you know, more meaningful <laughs> side. Yeah, like like Far Cry is kind of the standard bearer of the generic side quest, right? Where it's just like, oh, go do mm-hmm. this thing. There's not really a reason, but you're gonna fill your time climbing a lot of towers and clearing camps and stuff. And I, yeah. I just don't really want to do that anymore. I, I, do least, I mean, I don't mind doing it. There's got to be a better reason. Yeah, and I think the Western setting could give them a lot of leeway in getting creative with the things that you're doing. Uh, and if they really lean into that, they could pull it off. Um, 
you know, if it turns out to actually be accurate that it is a Western setting. But, you know, we'll see. It's it's another game where it's going to be expected. Uh, so it'll have to have like a lot of big surprises within itself to get people, mm-hmm. I think, excited. Although Far Cry does have a lot of fans. Um, but what do you think about like uh, the For Honor gap? Like what's going to fit into that or, or Steep? These games from Ubisoft where you, d- you don't really see them coming and mm-hmm. they're unique and new. Um, and they they're risky, and they a lot of times sometimes they pay off. Like For Honor was pretty popular there, although it, I I know it pissed off its community. Um, but For Honor was pretty popular, and it's one of the, still one of the best selling games so far this year. Um, do you think they're going to have anything within that 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 range? Yeah, I think they will. Again, it's hard to say what it is because it'll be yeah, something of kind of weird and unique. Uh, but yeah, I think they'll have at least one of those. I think we're gonna well, still. I think we're gonna see For For Honor stuff still. Oh yeah, they'll have some they'll DLC have or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, okay, so they had the extreme sports game, Steep. They had this like online competitive sword game for for honor. Um, I'm just trying to think. If there's any obvious genres that they could go after? Uh, I, I do. You, okay, here's one. If any company is going to chase after the battle royale, like yeah, it's going to oh. be Ubisoft. Make a Tom Clancy skin for that. I think that yes. is. I was just thinking, what would the Tom next Tom Clancy thing be. And I'll tell you what, like I, I kind of told you part of my problem with player unknowns backgrounds is the sort of unrefinement of it. I would almost yes. kind of welcome the like triple a big publisher take on it. I want to see what it looks like at least like uh, to mm. me, the, the, uh, the lack of refinement in a game like player unknowns battlegrounds is part of the charm to a certain extent. However, that doesn't mean I wouldn't love to see what a company like Ubisoft would bring to that formula. Um, to me personally, I would wish that Nintendo would take Zelda and turn that into a battle royale like. I think that would be amazing, <laughs> but that's not going to happen. Right. So I'll, I'll, I'll accept whatever Ubisoft does. And I think um, I think elsewhere on the Tom Clancy front, it's been a while since there was a Splinter Cell game. So that was the last one, Blacklist, was in 2013. I think uh, we might I'm, be seeing. I, I think, and I think I'd be ready for another Splinter Cell. Like, yeah, it's more been than a I've while. Ever been. Yeah. Um, yeah, then they'll have some of their. I mean, they'll have the Just Dance. That's so obvious. We're going to see South Park. That South sequel Park, still yeah. to come. Uh, do you think they have something like the Crew too? I don't. I don't know about the Crew. the The other thing I'm kind of curious about is what's going on with the Division, if anything. Yeah, that, I feel like the Division's going to have to wait on the sideline until Destiny Two plays out. And they're going to have to wait and see what happens with Destiny 2 before they can come out with like anything really too big about the Division. You think? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the Division like uh, appeals to me more than Destiny does, but I still think that Destiny's going to have to play out because people are insane about Destiny. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's that, that pretty much covers it for Ubisoft. I mean, they're going to have mm-hmm. some surprises that we're just not going to be able to predict. And they might have... Um, some of their smaller games, like Child of Light, that they've had in the past. Sure, um, sure. Grow, grow home and grow up. So maybe, maybe we'll, we'll Rayman's coming back. I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well. Yeah. But Beyond Good and Evil. Do we get Beyond Good and e- Good and Evil too? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, of you course do not. not. <laughs> of course not. So <laughs> we'll get a new screenshot leaked, and that'll be it. And there then you it'll go. be another ten years. Um. Okay. Last one here. Activision. Uh. So I think it's all Tony Hawk this year. <laughs> you know what? The Tony Hawk's going to come back at some point. You laugh. Well, I guess it did, right? And, oh, I already forgot about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Five. Oh my god! That oh my oh my god! That happened. Yeah. Never should, mind. You know no more should, Tony Hawk. 
We should no play Tony Hawk Pro Skater Five again. Uh, no, like this, this next week or something. Yeah, I wonder totally how much should. they could. I wonder how much they fixed it. Like how much of it could have yeah. been fixed. Yeah, I want to see what they like if they did anything to it. We should totally play that again. I want to see where that's at. Man, I really hated that game. Um, it was infuriating. Uh, it was the most upsetting. Yep. Oh god, we can't even. Get, okay. we can't even go down there. Right. So probably not Tony Hawk. At least not yet. <laughs> um, but uh, do okay. I guess let's start with uh, like Activision's. Like we we know about the Call of Duties. We'll talk about those maybe a little bit. But do do they bring back anything like in that vein of the Tony Hawk vein or like I mean they're probably not going to bring Guitar Hero back. That's already been attempted uh, and failed. Right. I mean it's like has Skylanders been gone long enough to quote unquote come back? Has it? Uh, yeah. Has it even? Wait. Has it really been away? Did they not have one last year? They did not have. Was it last? Yeah, I think it was last year. They did not have one, or was it the year before? I don't know. Something like that. It, I don't know. It, again, that whole thing seems to be on the cl- decline-ish, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like it's following the Activision path, where it was a huge hit for many, many years in a row. Right. Like, and... well, what else would like? What else is gone from like the typical Activision? Well, so, well, like, I mean, some of yeah. the active, the quote-unquote Activision games I care about are Blizzard games, and those don't show up at E3. Right. Yeah. We. Uh, yeah. We don't even have to like really talk about those. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure Overwatch will have a place on like in Activision's booth somewhere, but it's not going to be a, a huge thing. They're going to like Destiny Two is going to be their big thing, and Call of Duty World War Two. And, and, and to answer your question, like what's been gone that they're bringing that they could bring back, World War Two games is is one of them, right, uh, and they're already happening. doing that. They've already confirmed that. So yeah, no, I mean Skylanders Imaginators. It says 2016 on all on all of these. Oh my bad. Then maybe it was this year they already said that they're not doing one because I thought there was something like that. Maybe yeah, I'm just that, a stupid yeah. idiot. God, you're so dumb. I think you're. I think you're right, though. It is 2017. There's not going to be one. So yeah, I mean, could, it, next year, right? We can always hope for a, a proper Spyro game coming back, but I, I don't doubt that. Yeah. And I, well, yeah. I mean, don't they own the license to uh, Crash Bandicoot? Like, did, did well, anything happen with that to the point where we're going to get a real new Crash Bandicoot game? Um, I think it's probably going to happen at some point after, after this insane trip. Uh, yeah, because that hasn't even come out yet. Yeah, that's still happening first. So give that a second, and then we'll kind of see what's next. For Prototype that. three. That's what we're gonna get. Prototype three. Yeah, probably not so much. Yeah, it is weird how much. Like, I mean, Activision Blizzard does super well, but it's kind of just it is like with the usual it, suspects. Like, you do not expect surprises from them. Right. It's yeah. Call of Duty, Destiny. In the past, we would have expected a Skylanders. Um, but yeah, this year it's very much Call of Duty and Destiny. It is going and that's to be it. A, it's going to be a lot of Call of Duty and a lot of Destiny. Yeah, and like maybe I'm, a and, little bit of Crash Bandicoot. I don't know. I feel like Crash Bandicoot is going to show up at Sony's thing, not this. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And, and you know, Activision doesn't have their own, uh, you know, thing where they take a stage or even have an online streaming show. They usually join other companies on their stage. So we'll see Call of Duty and Destiny both on Sony's, you know, at, during Sony's presentation. And that'll be, uh, I, I'm, I'm interested, I'm interested to see how they sell both of those games, uh, especially Destiny 2. They're going to have to like really come out and show how this game is different and better. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have a lot of high hopes riding on that. So that's going to be the most interesting thing about Activision. But beyond that, yeah, they, might, they almost might have to devote more time to Destiny because there is something you have to sell there. Whereas Call, uh, Call of Duty World War Two is selling itself in a lot of ways. You just have yeah, to show people, it. yeah, people want, want that World War Two. At least that's what they claim they want. Uh, I bet it still doesn't sell as well as a lot of the past games. So, Ooh. well, yeah, yeah, I think so. Hot take, hot uh, take. 
Yeah, there's my hot take. <laughs> Did you just learn the term hot take? Is that what you said? No, but it's just been it's just been used. I've just been seeing it used all the time, and I just yeah. realize people are just saying it so, so that they yeah. can have an unpopular opinion. <laughs> and oftentimes <sighs> bad ones, but hey, whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's my hot take right there. Mike, I, I don't know if there's anything else to, to even talk about with Activision. It's such a weird company. So kind of talk about these three companies. Like what? What is like the one thing that would excite you that you think you could see from Bethesda, Ubisoft, or Activision? Obviously, I I, I think obviously for me, like the idea of an Elder Scrolls Six would be exciting, but that would I mean, be the most exciting thing that could happen with these three that I would actually expect. Yeah, I guess what the thing that would be most exciting is if, uh, like, yeah, a new game in a sequel or in a franchise that I love like that would be very exciting. That would be cool. Uh, but at this point, I'd almost rather see like Ubisoft come out and say, hey, we have learned a lot from our games and we are taking big risks with the games that you already know are coming. Uh, like, you know, we talked about Far Cry, you know, Western for a long time. I would like to see them show Zelda Breath of the Wild like improvements to the genre already baked into that game. Um, to the point where it's like, okay, everyone is doing the things that we expect in terms of the brand names and the franchises, but what's happening within those games is seems very risky and well thought out. And we're at a point where games like kind of shouldn't be bad anymore. Like, don't you feel like 2017 is the year where it's like games shouldn't be bad anymore? No, it really, it really, it, it really is in a way. It's like, who has time to play? a decent yeah. game anymore. And like was, Mass Effect yeah. Andromeda comes out oh, and it's yeah, like a that's shock. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah, it's a shock to a lot of people that it's like kind of mediocre. I, I thought it was actually kind of bad, not terrible, but to the point where you probably shouldn't spend too much of your time playing it unless you know that you're really going to enjoy it. But like, you know, Nier comes out and people are frothing at the mouth for it. Uh, you know, Prey's out and Prey is one of the best games in this genre that it's in, you know, so far. Like at least a lot of people are saying in early playthroughs. Uh you know, Zelda, Horizon Zero Dawn, all these games that, like, people have figured out how to make good games. And I want to see that filtering into these huge franchises like Call of Duty and Destiny and and Far Cry and Assassin's Creed. I think that would be the most exciting thing to me, is that those games look like they are making the advancements that we are seeing in all of these other franchises that have come out so far this year. Yeah, yeah, um, but, but, but Jeff, Elder Scrolls 6. <laughs> I mean, same thing for that It would game, be the 6th. Yeah, but no, yeah. If well, the other schools like are kind of in a place where there aren't a lot of people making specifically that kind of game, no, <laughs> like yeah. that Bethesda style. I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they, they yeah. but they have a kind of thing too because Fallout Four was kind of getting, <laughs> kind of got post shat on, right? Like at the yeah. time, everyone was okay with it. Then, like after a I, few months, people were like, eh. "I'll still defend that game." I thought Fallout Four was pretty fucking. You know, I'm kind of, I, I kind of get it. I kind of get the criticism of it. I kind of agree. I, I won't say I don't get it. I do. I do understand what people are saying. Um, but no, I, I spent a ton of time with that game, and I really liked it. Um, it's no, you know, it's no 2017 video game, but it's still pretty good. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to say something beyond like just yeah, Elder Scrolls Six, because of course. And again, I Elder still Scrolls don't completely Scrolls. expect that. So no, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, you know, the big thing about E3 is a lot of times the games will, a game will get announced, we won't be excited for it, and then we'll play it a bunch of months later. Right, like, like oh, Doom. Wow, this was. Doom is exactly what I was thinking in my head as I was saying that. So, like, we're gonna like the, the truth is that the surprises are gonna. Yes, I, I thought it was a funny joke. 
Yeah, I was so sure that it was going to be complete garbage. So stupid. I think I was even like embarrassed for them and for myself, being like, "Oh yes. man, look, look at look they're just trying to be like super violent." They like they're like, "Oh, look how violent and edgy we are." We like, <laughs> hail Satan. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was sitting there like, "Oh, I'm so embarrassed that this is my industry that I work for." <laughs> And I was so wrong because that game that owns game was, so was, hard. That game was so good. It owns so much. Oh, uh, it was God a big damn. lesson for Adoop was a big lesson for all of us. I'm yeah. glad Adoop happened. Same here. I'm, so I'm, I think I'm going to – exactly. It was a lesson, and I'm going to try to apply that at E3 2017 where I go there. And if I see something where I'm like at first I am thinking it looks pretty dumb, I'm going to take <laughs> a step back and just say, okay, wait, maybe I'm missing something. So, Yeah. I, I, I think that's probably a pretty good note to end on here. We're going to come back next week. We're going to be talking about some of the bigger companies in the coming weeks. And we're going to end up with like a wrap-up show uh, where we really try to get into their uh, – into the you know not just predictions, but maybe talk about some of the past A3s and what we liked and didn't like. Uh, for now, however, Mike, uh, why don't you tell everyone on the internet where they can find you? Well, I'm uh, always writing at GamesBeat, GamesBeat.com. I'm uh, Tolkoto on Twitter. That's T-O-L-K-O-T-O. And I'm also doing the Exploding Barrel podcast with my brother, kind of another gaming uh, nerd show. It's at ebpodcast.com. Fucking nerd. Nerds. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm Jeff Grubb on Twitter. Uh, Jeff Grubb, a dub, a dub, a dub. Very good, Mike. You know, I need a, a sound effect for you here. Open salami. There you go. Open salami. <laughs> the classic. Uh, yeah, yeah, very good stuff. That's going to be our catchphrase. Um, you can also get me on YouTube. I make some videos. I'm still doing my Mario Kart perfect 200cc run. I'm having a lot of fun with that, actually. That's on YouTube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb. Um, I'm going to hit a button. It's going to make a sound effect that's going to say we're going, to, going away. However, stick around after the show. I got a quick interview, like I said, with Playful's uh, Paul Bettner. We're going to talk about the creative verse. Listen to that, and then that'll be the show. Thanks for coming in, everybody. Thanks for listening to us. We will see you next week. Bye. Oh. That's pretty good, right? There we go. And we're back, and I'm um, speaking with Paul Bettner from Playful. I'm going to have him actually introduce himself, kind of uh, give a little spiel about who he is and what he does. Uh, We're going to be talking about Creativeverse, so... Paul, go ahead and tell everybody uh, you know a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, my name is Paul Bettner. I'm the founder and CEO at Playful. been doing this now for quite a while been making games for oh my gosh 20 years maybe more than that um playful's been around now for i think this is we're going on our fifth year now um and uh we're working on a couple different things so most recently though the thing you've been working on is creative verse why don't you actually kind of give us a little rundown of what that is and what it's been like kind of getting that ready and pushed out to everybody so creative verse is our take on this kind of delightful sandbox genre that I've really been in love with now for several years. Um, and uh, we started working on this game now for, oh gosh, it's been several years that we've been working on this actually. Uh, worked on it for quite a while um, just on our own and then we launched it in Steam Early Access. This is actually the first game uh, that I've ever launched on Steam personally. Uh, you know, Before this, uh, most of the team that's working on Creativeverse actually was the team that, that did Words with Friends. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, we had our kind of previously this team, myself and a lot of folks here had been working on AAA PC games. We did kind of age vampires. A lot of the folks here from ensemble studios and 
Um, then we did the mobile thing for a while and created the With Friends franchise, sold that to Zynga. And now uh, here at Playful, we are working on a couple of different things. And we started on this project. It was one of the first things we ever worked on here. Worked on it for a couple of years, launched it into early access. Um, and now we are finally launching it out of early access today. So what does that mean to have the game in early access and now it's changed and is available as a, a full game? It's still free to play. So so what's different for people? When they're <laughs> like, yes. What's different for you, I guess? <laughs> so, you know, it's actually been an important thing for us. Um, to communicate as we've done this, because it, it, I think it means different things for different games. You know, I've been part of a lot of early access titles on Steam, and uh, they all kind of handled a little bit differently. Um, for us, this is actually our 42nd release of the game, uh, <laughs> R42. Um, so, you know, it's been live in early access now for a couple of years uh, as we've continued to refine and grow it. And so, you know, we've wanted to, to communicate pretty clearly to our community that this is just another step along that path for us. But it was, you know, we really just getting to a point, the game has been growing and, uh, you know, we've been, we've, we've really gotten to a point where we're finally figuring out what it is, what the real heart of this game is and what we want it to become. And even though it's not there yet, like we, we still have so many hopes and dreams for where we're going to take the game. It's just at the beginning of that journey now. And that was enough for us to say, you know, let's throw the doors wider open and let's invite a larger audience into this. Cause the audience that we have, the early audience, early access audience we have, you know, they're loving the game. It's got great review scores. It's got a lot of players that are playing it daily. Um, and, you know, it was really just time for us to to kind of widen that that funnel. So, as uh, and, you bring in more, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, sorry, I was going to say, to your question of what, what actually is new, there's a couple of features we, we, uh, we've launched specifically today, some of the most highly requested features, especially for builders uh, in the game. So that's like, um, you know, we have these really cool things that you can do. Uh, you know, obviously if you go look at the game, it's a block building voxel type of adventure game. Um, but we have some, some awesome things you can do in creative verse that you can't do in some of the other games in the genre. So, you know, you can actually just grab a block and rotate it around. So if you have a stair or a slab or one of these other different shape blocks, you can rotate that. Well, one of the things that players have been asking for incessantly, <laughs> um, and shouldn't have been a hard problem, but it took us a little work was, was these corner blocks so that when you're creating like roofs and stairs and other shapes, you actually have a way to connect two corners of it. Um, and so that's something that we put effort into for this release. But the real thing is that, that, that kind of got us to this point is actually something we shipped a couple of releases ago. And the reason that we did it this way is because we wanted to get it out there and start iterating and improving this feature. We didn't want to necessarily couple that with when we were coming out of early access because that would be a little stressful. <laughs> and, uh, and that feature is this published adventures feature that we have in the game that we launched now. I think it was in R38 or something like that. Um, and this is this is a, this is kind of when I what I mentioned earlier about Creativeverse finally knowing what it wants to be when it grows up. This is the feature that has gotten us onto that path, and um, it's you know it's it's fundamentally this thing that, like I said, I've been playing in games in this genre now for quite a while, and and you know what I end up doing a lot, as I think we all do, is we play we might play with a couple friends, we end up building really cool stuff, but then that stuff just kind of gets left behind and we might move on to other adventures that we're doing. And, and one of the things that's always just kind of lacking in that is this ability to take that incredible thing that we've created and fill it with life, invite other people to check it out, create adventures and that thing. You know, it's like, like the, the typical example is I might create some really cool castle on a hillside and it doesn't really serve any purpose other than to take really neat screenshots of it and share it on Twitter and be like, look at this cool castle I made. That's really neat. 
And we just wanted to, to take that to the next logical step and create a tool set and a technology, a platform that let people take that castle and turn it into something that other people could enjoy rather than just looking at a screenshot. And that's what this Publish Adventures feature does. So would you say that's one of the main ways that uh, earlier you mentioned, like, this is your take on this genre? Would you say this is one of the main ways that you are separating yourself from the fold there? Absolutely. And, you know, I don't <laughs> lots of people want to want to say, oh, this game is this meets this. And you can certainly do that with what creative versus is is and is going to become or is becoming right now. Um, but but yeah, like the, like the I think it's one of the most important things we've done in the game. And I think it's certainly going to define what the future is for creative verse is this ability for somebody to to get together with their friends, make something and then seamlessly publish that to a community of people that can enjoy that. And you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible the things that people have already created. Even though our tool set there is still just getting started, I mean, we want to create the most powerful tool set for people to create these incredible adventures for each other. But even with the tools they have now, um, they they're already so actively engaged in this part of the game. And you know, it's like when we saw that happening after we shipped the feature, it was really validating for us to say, okay, well, that was our theory. Our theory was that this would be. Like, like when you play these games, and we'll use the elephant in the room, Minecraft, um, there's this question of, well, what's the end game here? You know, like once I've run out of all the content that Mojang or Microsoft has provided, then what do I go do? And in the case of Minecraft, there's this incredible, you know, community of mods and, and mod creators and all these other things. And we wanted to take that and, like I said, just extend it further and not just have it be in the hands of only mod creators, but really put that in the hands of the entire community. And so right now, you know, just just a dad and his kid playing together can create that incredible castle. And with one click, they can publish that thing to the community and say, here, you know, come check out the throne room, go on this little adventure into our little dungeon that we created, whatever it is, uh, and create this content that can be shared, liked, and eventually monetized by by that whole community. So I guess first, let's talk about that, that monetization you said. So eventually, uh, is that something that you guys, uh, is that like your main business model here to create a a user connected economy where players are creating and selling things to one another. That is the thing that, that we are most excited about now. Yeah. I mean, when you, um, you know, you can see this happening now in in a couple of different games um, and probably the most successful or the most interesting from my standpoint is what's happening with Roblox. Um, And I just think it's just, it's a tremendous thing because that game has created this, this marketplace, this economy where, uh, where it's it's directly connected content creators to these larger audiences, and then allowed that to evolve on its own, and 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 provided increasingly better tools and support. And but the real magic there is the simplicity of being able to, uh, you know, take have an idea, or even take somebody else's idea or a template of an idea, like oh, it's a racing game or whatever. But I'm going to make it a racing game where I'm racing ice cream cones around or whatever. And and that may happen to be the thing that that the whole community is really excited about right now, and. The process of building that thing and publishing that thing being seamless is one step. But the second step is when people can actually monetize that, when they can, when you can, when we can create a marketplace there, um, I, th- I think it just kind of reaches this whole other level of compelling for the community. Uh, and so, yes, that's, that's definitely what we're excited. One of the places we're excited to go in the future. Uh, so this whole conversation is making me think about uh, the uh, way people, explore new ideas in games. I think for a long time, there was always this uh, 
it, it was always think of, thought it was a bad thing when you make a blank clone, like a Doom clone. A uh, now that we have Dark Siders clones starting to come out. Yes, <laughs> uh, and uh, Minecraft clones, but those things always end up becoming their own genres that that are no longer named that thing. Like the, we don't call first person shooters right. Doom clones anymore. That's right. Is, is this something that you guys uh, actively th- think about? Where you're like, there is still. It's not just gold in them hills. There are ideas to be to be sought out here that maybe some games aren't exactly exploring. That's exactly it. And in fact, if you go back to the genesis of this project, of us starting work on this game and and the thing that inspired us then and, and inspires us even more now, because it's crazy to be, I mean, we've been on this journey. This game has been in development now for several years. And we're at a place where we're more excited about the future of the game now than we ever have been. But it's based on the same concept. So when we started this game, uh, we... What what was one of the things that was in my head is I could remember back to when EverQuest One first came out, and um, I'm sure lots of lots of folks that are listening can probably remember that. I was working in Ensemble Studios at the time. We were working on the Age Vampires games, and we would work on Age Vampires during the day just so that we could get to the evening to play EverQuest all together. <laughs> uh, and we were doing that for several months, and we were all super addicted to it. And this was kind of at the you know it was getting to the height of of EverQuest popularity. I think they maybe had four hundred thousand subscribers or something. And I I started running around the office saying, "We got to make one of these games. We got to make a, a game like this." And uh, and I got a lot of resistance actually because what I was trying to pitch was, "We just need to make a better version of this game. We need to take everything that we had." that Ensemble Studios was was especially good at as a developer, which was accessibility, broadly appealing, you know, bright, colorful art, lush worlds, great user experience, controls, you know, all that kind of stuff. We were, we were doing pretty good at that stuff. And then couple it with this genre, which was barely even a genre at that point. It was really just one dominant game that was, you know, this 3D MMO thing. Um, and a lot of the pushback at the time was, well, first of all, EverQuest is at the peak of this market, like 400,000 subscribers. That's incredible. You could never get more subscribers than that in an MMO, a 3D MMO. Another, another thing I heard a lot at the time was, uh, well, if we were going to do that, we would have to take and mix it with something. So it'd have to be EverQuest mixed with an RTS or EverQuest in space or EverQuest, you know, just something else. And, and honestly, the case I was making at the time was, we just need to make a better EverQuest. And I don't mean clone it. I mean, stand on the shoulders of what's great about this because all great art is that way, you know? And and we can take what we love about this genre and not look at this as one game, but look at it as the birth of a genre and take it forward. Well, I didn't win that that debate and we never got to work on that at Ensemble. But I think someone at Blizzard was having the same conversation at that time. <laughs> and the rest is history. You know, I mean, World of Warcraft went on to, I don't know what their peak subscribers, like 14 or 15 million or something like that. And, and showed the world that that actually people did just want a better EverQuest. You know, the, the core formula of World of Warcraft is the same as EverQuest. But but they took a lot of those things that, of course, Blizzard is so brilliant at in terms of quality, accessibility, user experience, and they married it to this successful formula, and they came up with this brilliant game that you know dominated for many, many years. When we started on Creativeverse, it was a lot of the same feeling. You know, I was playing games in this genre and feeling like, you know, there's just an opportunity here to take the next step and to not view games like Minecraft as, as well, there's one Minecraft, there'll only ever be one Minecraft, that's it, it's, it's this one game, this one hit, and, and, that, and it's over. But rather, like you said at the beginning of this question, to be the birth of a genre, 
that eventually we would actually have a label for the genre, which we don't really have a good one right now. And everybody just uses Minecraft. It's all just Minecraft. But but what we've seen already with the development of Creativeverse and with our with our voraciously hungry for more early access community uh, is that that there's a tremendous appetite for games of this genre. You know, people love this core formula. And 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 as an aside, what I want to say about that that part of it, the core formula of this game is because that's I think it's important to identify, especially if we're talking about a genre. What sets this genre apart from others? What what makes it deserve to be a genre? And in my mind. It's one thing like there's 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 elements of, of Minecraft that you could say are like Grand Theft Auto or like survival games, open world survival games like Ark and Rust. And that is one element. But in my mind, that's not the defining characteristic of Minecraft and the Minecraft genre. To me, what it is, is that when I play a game like Grand Theft Auto, I generally solve my problems by shooting things, right? By putting my crosshairs on something and pulling the trigger mm-hmm. or by crafting things that help me survive but I think that the unique thing, the thing that sets the Minecraft truly apart and sets Creativeverse apart is that I solve my problems by being creative, by coming up with creative solutions to the things that the game is throwing at me. And that is what the genre is about. And that's, that's fundamentally why the game ended up being called Creativeverse. Well, that's excellent. Uh, Paul, I think that's going to wrap up our time, but uh, I want to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can find Creativeverse, if they're interested, where they can go to check it out and and find out more. Creativeverse just went live on Steam uh, today. So get on Steam, search for Creativeverse. In fact, you'll see it. It's all over the Steam storefront right now. But but check it out. Join, Join our vibrant community. We have thousands and thousands of people playing. We have tons of adventures you can already check out. And I, I, I greatly encourage you to, to become a part of that community. You'll be welcomed by us and by our community with open arms. Uh, and you can really be a part. You know, and this is, this is the thing that the other thing that for us is set Creativeverse apart is I've never had this connection with a community of a game that I've created. And I think Steam is hugely to credit for that. Steam is such an incredible platform for, for us to have that connection with our community in real time. But I promise, you know, and I think that our existing community already knows this, but for folks that are thinking about joining the game, you really have an opportunity to be an active part of the development of this game and to really help us shape Creativeverse into what you want it to be. Uh, so I hope you'll join us. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, Paul. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. It was my pleasure.